Hello there. In this section, we are going over the category herbs that transform phlegm and stop cough, and we're specifically going over the first section of that category, cool herbs that transform phlegm heat. So this is a category in Bensky, herbs that transform phlegm and stop cough, and there are actually three subcategories: cool or herbs that transform phlegm heat. Herbs that warm and transform phlegm cold, and herbs that stop coughing and wheezing. So we're just going over the first one, and it may seem kind of weird to put these together, but basically we talk about transforming phlegm and stopping cough because they tend to go together. That phlegm tends to collect in the lungs, and it can obstruct the free flow of qi, so that can give us rebellious lung qi, like coughing, wheezing, and panting. And then we have some herbs that are good for treating rebellious lung qi, like coughing, wheezing, and panting. And it just so happens that some of them also have an action of transforming phlegm and stopping cough. So that's why we put these two together in herbs that transform phlegm and stop cough. So let's start by talking about phlegm. What is phlegm? Well, the Chinese term for phlegm is tan, and this is a pathological thickening of Fluids. So we have normal physiological fluids in the body, the jinye fluids. If these fluids, for some reason, start to thicken, they can turn into phlegm. However, something we should be careful of is when we talk about phlegm in TCM, we're not just talking about the physical stuff that you cough out. We could say sputum, the sputum that collects in your lungs, and you can cough out. So on the one hand, yes, phlegm does mean Uh, a substance that collects in the lungs, and you can cough out. But when we say phlegm, we can also talk about phlegm accumulating in the stomach. We can talk about phlegm collecting in the flesh, or phlegm obstructing the channels, or we can talk about phlegm misting the orifices of the heart. So phlegm can cause a lot of different problems, or phlegm can manifest in a lot of different ways, not just the gunk that you cough out of your lungs. So what does phlegm look like? Well, like most things. The symptoms we're going to see are going to depend on where the phlegm is located in the body. So we have phlegm in the lung. Of course, we're going to see cough, wheezing, a stifling sensation in, in the chest. Basically, like like what we said, the the lung is supposed to downbear the qi that you breathe in. You breathe in the qing qi or the da qi of the air, and the lung sends it downward. However, if there's this phlegm obstructing the lung, the the qi can't go down, and so it rebels back upward. So we get things like coughing, wheezing, and panting, and then you'll actually cough out this phlegm in physical form. When phlegm is in the stomach, we can get nausea, vomiting, poor appetite, or epigastric distension. Again, basically, phlegm is blocking the movement of qi in the middle jowl, and so it starts to rebel back upwards in terms of nausea, vomiting, and we can actually feel it like epigastric distension. We can also have phlegm in the channels or phlegm in the flesh. This is kind of a weird one. When you go into Bensky, he says phlegm in the channels. When you go to Nigel Weissman, he talks about phlegm collecting in the flesh. I'm going to assume that's kind of the same thing. So when we get phlegm in the channels or phlegm in the flesh, we get nodules like goiter and scrofula. Basically, we have this phlegm; it gets into the channels and it causes some blockage in the channels, and then we get like lumps, like lipomas, 
goiter, scrofula are things in the neck. So we're getting nodules. So we can transform phlegm to dissipate those nodules. That's phlegm in the channels. We also have something called plum pit chi, uh, this feeling that there's something in the throat, but you can't swallow it, and it's just stuck there. That's a form of phlegm. And then we can talk about phlegm obstructing the heart orifices or misting the heart orifices. So this can cause things like epilepsy, spasm, seizure, but also uh, certain shen problems like mania withdrawal. And we could say, oh, there's phlegm misting the heart orifices and causing these shen problems or other types of um, wind-like conditions. So these are a lot of different types of phlegm. And so it turns out another way we could kind of organize this is we have some phlegm that we say is real phlegm or substantial phlegm. It's stuff that you can see, that you can cough it out and be like, oh, there's some sputum there. This is visible, substantial phlegm. We can also say that there's such a thing as insubstantial phlegm. When we get these other situations, we can say this is insubstantial phlegm or the phlegm is formless. And what we mean by that is there's still these problems going on. We could still have nausea, vomiting. We could still have nodules, goiter, scrofia, plum pit chi, a feeling that something can't be swallowed. You could be, a person could be really confused because they have this veil of phlegm misting their shen. But it's not actual sputum or real phlegm. So if you talk about phlegm misting the heart orifices, it's not like if we got out our scalpel and cut the person open, we would actually see snot and sputum in the heart orifices. What we really mean is there's some formless or insubstantial phlegm. Even when we talk about nodules like goiter and scrofula, people say, well, these are substantial things. We can touch them and poke them. And it's like, yes, that's true, but... Again, if we took our scalpel and cut open one of those nodules, it's not like we'd cut it open and we'd see some phlegm. It's not like we'd cut it open and there'd be a bunch of snot and mucus and sputum in there. It's really insubstantial phlegm blocking the channels, causing these nodules. So that's another thing we can say that uh, we, the phlegm can be substantial, as in something visible that you cough out, or the phlegm can be insubstantial and it's formless, but it's still there. And one of the ways we know it's phlegm is it's still going to be reflectant on the tongue and pulse. So if a person has these uh, nodules or shen problems due to phlegm, they might not be coughing up sputum. But when you look at the tongue, it's still going to have like a, a thick coat. When we feel the pulse, it's still going to be slippery or soggy, telling us that there's phlegm. It's just insubstantial or formless phlegm. So they're not actually coughing anything up. So that's something we're going to want to pay attention to when we look at these herbs, when you go through this category, is some herbs are really good at treating substantial phlegm, phlegm collecting in the lung that you cough out. Other herbs are more for insubstantial phlegm. They're more for things like nodules or shen problems. So that's something that we're going to want to pay attention to as we go through the herbs. So we can talk about how does this phlegm come about? We said this is a pathological thickening of fluids. What causes this pathological thickening of fluids because maybe it should be said that when we talk about phlegm we say that this is a secondary pathogen that phlegm is always a secondary condition 
What do we mean by that? It means that the phlegm is always caused by something else. It's not like with the other evils like wind, cold, heat, dampness. Those can just arise spontaneously. We can have wind attacking us from the outside. We can have dampness forming on the interior. There's no such thing as an external attack of phlegm. That's just not a thing that happens. When we see phlegm in the body, it's always being caused by something else. So we're probably going to want to take care of that root cause of what's giving us this phlegm in the body. So it's going to be important to know what are the causes of phlegm, and that's going to help us treat the root problem. So in Bensky, he lists four primary causes. He says that spleen chi deficiency uh, can lead to fluid stasis and dampness, which can transform into phlegm. Basically, the spleen is uh, responsible for transforming and transporting the dampness. And if the spleen fails to do that, that dampness can sit there, stagnate, and uh, uh, coagulate into phlegm. I couldn't think of the, the word for thickening, coagulate into phlegm. So spleen chi deficiency. If your spleen don't work, the, the dampness is going to turn into phlegm. We can have heat. The heat thickens and congeals the normal fluids into phlegm. And so this we can think about, um, think about you're cooking a stew. And when you let it simmer for a long time, the stew starts to thicken. Well, it turns out the same thing can happen when the fluids in your body, if you have this heat evil in your body that can cook down the fluids and thicken the fluids and uh, cause them to congeal into phlegm. Kidney deficiency can lead to phlegm. So in kidney deficiency, um, the kidney has something to do with water metabolisms. It's supposed to steam the fluid and make sure the fluids are moving. If the kidney fails to transform or metabolize or circulate the water, that water can stagnate and that water can turn into Phlegm. So kidney deficiency is another cause of phlegm. And then another one similar is liver chi stagnation can also cause phlegm. So basically the liver is responsible for governing free coursing. It's supposed to make sure that the chi is circulating properly. If the chi is not circulating properly, then the fluids aren't going to circulate properly. If the fluids aren't per circulating properly, they can stagnate and turn into Lem. So this is what uh, Bensky, what he lists in, in his chapter of the causes of phlegm, phlegm spleen chi deficiency. You're not transforming the dampness, so it turns into phlegm. Heat cooks down the fluids, and it turns into phlegm. Kidney deficiency, uh, where you're not metabolizing the water, so it stagnates and turns into phlegm. Liver chi stagnation, when the chi stagnates, the fluid stagnates, turns into phlegm. I might add another one. Uh, I would, he doesn't. It's kind of weird he doesn't mention this, but I'd say cold is another cause of phlegm. And maybe he's grouping this with spleen deficiency. I think when he says spleen deficiency, he's not just talking about spleen chi deficiency, he's talking about spleen yang deficiency, and so we can have some coldness. But I think it's good enough to bring up as another cause of phlegm that we can have cold congealing the fluids and thickening into phlegm. So this could be uh, an internal cold. This could also be an external attack of wind cold. When that wind cold gets into the lungs, that cold causes the fluids to congeal. Uh, cold causes things to slow down. Think about that saying. It's like you're as slow as molasses in January. The, the cold causes things to thicken and slow down. So it causes the fluids to slow down and thicken and turn into phlegm. So I would add in cold as another cause of 
uh, phlegm, but maybe it it actually falls into one of these other categories, but that's something I would think about as well. And so basically, even though we have these four different causes, we kind of know that the main one is really the spleen because the spleen is responsible for transforming dampness. So we kind of say, even though we have these different types, there's usually some spleen involvement as well. So that gives us a saying, the spleen is the source of phlegm and the lung is the house of phlegm or the lung is the container of phlegm or the lung is the receptacle of phlegm. But basically saying we're saying here is that it's usually the spleen is the root cause. If the spleen craps out and it's not transforming that dampness, that dampness is going to turn into phlegm. But the main place we see that phlegm is in the lung, as in something that you cough out. So that's why I say the spleen is the source of phlegm and the lung is the house of phlegm. So often when we go about treating phlegm, we're going to Think of these two organs or these two channel systems. So those are the, that's kind of a little, just a little background on uh, phlegm as a, a pathogen or phlegm as a disease, a secondary disease. So when we get into this category, herbs that transform phlegm and stop cough, we, uh, we actually have three subcategories. At least in Bensky, we have three subcategories. Other books only have two. But we have herbs that cool and transform phlegm heat, herbs that warm and transform cold phlegm, and herbs that stop coughing and wheezing. So basically, we're dealing with phlegm heat, phlegm cold, and coughing and wheezing or coughing and panting. So when we talk about herbs that cool and transform phlegm heat, these herbs clear heat and eliminate phlegm for cough with thick yellow, sticky, difficult to expectorate sputum. Again, we have this heat entering the body, usually entering the lungs and cooking down the fluids. It's like you're simmering a stew and thickening the stew. It cooks down those fluids and they congeal into phlegm. And so they're going to be thick, yellow, sticky, difficult to expectorate or difficult to cough out. Uh, these herbs can also treat nodules. I've like talked about nodules like goiter and scrofula if we have this phlegm in the channels or phlegm in the flesh. And also things like convulsions and seizures due to phlegm. We could say this is wind phlegm or phlegm missing the orifices. So those are some other possibilities, uh, some possible manifestations of phlegm. Because we're dealing with cold heat, or sorry, because we're dealing with phlegm heat, these herbs tend to be cold and bitter. Cold deals with the heat, bitter deals with the heat. Um, but we should pay attention to some of them are also sweet in flavor. Remember, the sweet flavor has an action of tonifying or moistening. So when we have this heat uh, that's cooking down the fluids, one, it's possible that this heat is damaging the fluids. So we, we want some herbs that are also moist, sweet and moist to moisten the fluids. And also what this can do is because the fluids are being cooked down, when we generate those body fluids, that will make the phlegm thinner and easier to expectorate. So we have this cooked down yellow sticky phlegm. We want to get it out. How do we do it? We can moisten it and to make it easier to expectorate. It's, it's kind of like lubricating the large intestine. We want to moisten it so the stuff can come out easily. Here we're lubricating the lungs and moistening that phlegm so that it can come out more easily. 
Um, then we say, since heat tends to damage the yin fluids, these are often combined with herbs that tonify yin. So this is something that we'll see that um, when we use this category, we're usually dealing with phlegm heat or uh, dry phlegm. So we might want to also tonify yin and moisten fluids as well as part of our treatment strategy. Then the other categories, herbs that warm and transform cold phlegm. This one we're not going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the next time, but we can briefly say this is uh, these herbs warm the lung and transform phlegm for thin, copious, white, or clear phlegm. So here we have a cold pathogen that's congealing the fluids, and so the, the fluids slow down and stagnate and congeal into phlegm, but because we're not really like cooking them down, they tend to be clear, it tends to be more thin, runny, and there tends to be a lot of it. So this is not difficult to expectorate, this is like a lot of it coming out because it's uh, being formed by cold rather than heat. So we often combine these with herbs that tonify spleen because the spleen is the source of phlegm. We can combine it with herbs that warm the interior because it's being caused by cold. Or we can combine it with herbs that dry dampness because if your spleen don't work, you probably got some dampness too. So you might have some dampness that led to phlegm. And then we have herbs that stop cough and wheezing or Nigel Weissman says coughing and panting. But basically this is referring to rebellious lung qi. And so th these herbs redirect the rebellious qi downward to relieve coughing and wheezing or coughing and panting. They ventilate or diffuse or open up the lung, but they don't necessarily transform phlegm. Some of them do, but they don't necessarily do that. So that's kind of where we're going with this category of herbs that transform phlegm and stop cough. And again, today we are just dealing with the first one, herbs that cool and transform phlegm heat. So you can kind of see here each of these categories is pretty small. We got like six or seven herbs in each one. And so basically, if we tried to do them all at once, that would be like a really long video and you'd probably get bored and fall asleep. So instead, we're dividing them up into three sections and that might be kind of short, but that's probably being too short is probably better than being too long. So that's what we're doing here. We're dealing with herbs that cool and transform phlegm heat. Again, we have a heat pathogen cooking down the fluids, thickening the fluids for that yellow, sticky, scanty, difficult to expectorate sputum. If we have some dryness, the sputum might actually be dry and chunky. Uh, if we have severe heat, this could even be blood streaked sputum. So that's what we're dealing with. Herbs that cool and transform phlegm heat. So we look at these herbs, like we said, these herbs are going to be cold and bitter. We're dealing with heat, so cold cools the heat, bitter clears heat. We can also say that there is some fluid stuff going on, so maybe having that bitter stuff can help with it, but these herbs are going to be cold and bitter, like most of our heat clearing herbs. Channels entered, usually the lung and spleen. Like we said, the spleen is the source of phlegm, the lung is the house of phlegm or the container of phlegm. So when we talk about transforming phlegm, we're usually going to be talking about these two channels or these two organs, the lung and the spleen. But actually, in this category, um, we might just say the lung. I think when we're talking about phlegm in general, we talk about the lung and the spleen. When you talk about lung heat, it's you, when we talk about phlegm heat, it's usually just the lung that's involved, not necessarily the spleen. So it's not necessary spleen heat deficiency and dampness leading to that phlegm. It's a heat pathogen entering the lung directly and creating the phlegm. So 
maybe we should just cross out the spleen and say for this category at least, uh, we're mostly going to see the lung as the entering channel. So these herbs resolve flum heat, and that's the name of the category. Some other things we can say is that these herbs can also treat uh, scrofula goiter, like nodules for phlegm obstructing the channels, and also like convulsions or other types of uh, things due to insubstantial phlegm, either blocking the heart orifices, or maybe we could call that wind phlegm. Um, but these uh, herbs treat more than just coughing up sputum, and so we'll see that as we go through these herbs. Some of these herbs are sweet in flavor because they moisten the lung and make the phlegm thinner and easier to expectorate. And we said that before that um, we're using that sweet flavor to generate some body fluids and that will kind of repair the damage uh, that the heat has done to the fluids, but will also uh, moisten the phlegm and lubricate it and make it thinner and easier to expectorate. And because we have this heat damaging the yin, these herbs are commonly combined with herbs that tonify yin. So I guess I just repeated everything that was on that previous slide. So there you go, you got it twice. So our first herb in cool herbs that transform phlegm heat is qian hu pusidani radix. Qian hu pusidani radix, qian hu. So we're in the category herbs that uh, treat phlegm heat. So this herb, treats phlegm heat. However, we usually specifically say it downbears qi and transforms phlegm heat. And this is pointing to a dual action of we're both transforming the phlegm, but we're also treating the coughing and wheezing, or we're also treating the rebellious lung qi. So when you talk about herbs that transform phlegm and stop cough, qianhu is actually doing both. It's transforming the phlegm and stopping cough. So cough with thick, yellow, sticky, difficult to expectorate sputum. So pretty straightforward, qianhu. Also what we say about qianhu is it has an action of releasing the exterior. So if we have a wind heat invasion, qianhu can also release the exterior. Again, for cough due to wind heat invasion. So if you have wind heat and it's obstructing the flow of qi in the lung causing cough, turns out qianhu's gonna do both. It's gonna release the exterior and down bear the chi to stop cough. If we have an external wind heat invasion and that heat is cooking down the fluids causing phlegm, well, it turns out we can use qian hu because it does both. It releases the exterior and transforms the phlegm. So uh, qian hu is gonna be very useful when we're dealing with cough and phlegm due to specifically an exterior attack. So that is qian hu. The thing about Qian Hu is we might say that this is a little bit more of a mild herb, or at least even though Qian Hu sounds very useful, it's never the chief herb in a formula. I can think of a couple formulas where Qian Hu pops up, but Qian Hu is never the chief herb of the formula. It's really more of a secondary formula. But maybe something that we should pay attention to is we have a lot of formulas where Qian Hu is used as a modification. And so we'll have a lot of formulas that release the exterior, formulas that treat wind heat. And then when we look in our modifications, it'll say, if this is an exterior attack with cough and phlegm, then add in qian hu. So this, maybe this doesn't come up a lot in formulas. Maybe it doesn't come up a lot as a chief herb, but it does come up a lot in our modifications. So if you're, say, studying for boards and they ask a lot of modification questions, it might be good to know that qian hu can be used as a modification often because um, it does these things 
uh, treating coughing and wheezing, transforming phlegm, and releasing the exterior. Some other things we can say about this is we put this in the phlegm heat category and the temperature is slightly cold, but it's only slightly cold. So it turns out that we can use it even if we have a cold condition, um, just as long as we combine it with other herbs of the proper temperature. So sometimes we'll just see this in formulas that treat coughing and wheezing. Um, sometimes we'll see it in phlegm formulas, but it might be for cold phlegm, but we just combine it with other herbs. So we can actually use it for both heat and cold conditions. Like one formula that I can think of is uh, Xing Susan. It's for cool autumn dryness that we have an external attack of a dryness pathogen that happens during the cool autumn because fall tends to be very dry. And so when that dryness gets in the lung, it can uh, obstruct the smooth flow of lung qi, giving us cough, or it can uh, dry out the fluids and cause phlegm. And that's an example where we're using qian hu due to a dryness pathogen, but it's a cool dryness, but we can still use qian hu. We just combine it with other warming herbs. Like we said, the center is a lung channel because that's where the phlegm is. So it's also treating rebellious lung qi, so it better enter the lung channel. Uh, bitter and acrid, remember the bitter flavor also has a downward direction, so we're downbearing that chi using the bitter flavor, and then we're using the acrid flavor to release the exterior. So it makes sense that we're, that we're both bitter and acrid. Bitter to clear the heat, bitter to downbear the lung chi, acrid to ventilate the lung, and acrid to release the exterior. As for the name of this herb, Hu means literally means before the barbarians, but uh, it's likely that that name just, uh, it used to mean something else. I think qian, there's a different character that means to wash away or to clean or to, to wash away filth. So, so qian who was washing away this turbid filth, but then somebody copied the, the character wrong and it became uh, this qian. And then hu means barbarian, and usually that just refers to when an herb comes from outside of China, they call it a foreign herb or a barbarian herb. And so we've seen that come up a few times before with herbs like chai hu is barbarian twig or twig of the northern northerners. Or huluba is another one that hu means foreign or barbarian. And so that just means that the herb wasn't originally from China. So qian hu doesn't probably doesn't mean a whole lot, but that's Qian Hu Pustani Radix. I remember phlegm heat. I remember downbearing the chi to stop coughing and wheezing, and I would remember releasing the exterior. So those are main actions of Qian Hu Pusadani Radix. Next is Chuan Bei Mu Fritillaria Sorosi Bulbus. Chuan Bei Mu Fritillaria Sorosi Bulbus. So maybe what we should say first is, really, we just have an herb called baymu, and it turns out we have two varieties of baymu depending on where it's grown. We have, if your baymu is grown in Sichuan province, it's called Chuan baymu. If your baymu is grown in Zhejiang province, it's called Zhebeimu. So we have these two different varieties. They have slightly different actions depending on where they're grown. So it's kind of like uh, when you're drinking wine, it not only depends on what type of grape you have, it also depends on where the grape is grown, that the soil and the weather conditions can have an effect on the plant. 
And so that's what we're saying with our Beimu. We can just call it Beimu, but we have two varieties, Chuan Beimu and Zhe Beimu. So Chuan Beimu is the one from Sichuan province. So Chuan Beimu transforms phlegm heat. We're in the category herbs that transform phlegm heat. Chuan Beimu transforms phlegm heat. But what we should say specifically about this one is it moistens the lung and it's good for cough due to lung yin deficiency or cough due to dryness. So like we said, some of these herbs are sweet and moistening that they moisten the lung, make the phlegm thinner and easier to expectorate. And we can see here this year with Chuan Bei Mu that the taste is bitter and sweet because it moistens the lung. So Chuan Bei Mu is a very good herb for... Uh, either cough and phlegm due to dryness, cough and phlegm with some underlying yin deficiency, or just in cases where we want to make the phlegm thinner and easier to expectorate. We can also say that Chuan Bei Mu directs heart fire downward for a stifling sensation in the chest and chest B. Honestly, I would just ignore it. That's not really a major function. That's just something that is put in the commentary of... Um, and Bensky includes it in his commentary. Most books don't include that as a major function. I really think the only reason I put this here is because we say the entering channels are the heart and the lung. And somebody was asking me, why does it enter the heart channel? And it turns out it has this obscure function that it can direct the heart fire downward and, and help with stifling in the chest. Um, but I wouldn't worry about that one too much. Chuan Bei Mu, we can also say dissipates nodules or nodules due to phlegm heat or phlegm fire. So things like sores, swellings, scrofula, breast abscess. Again, we said there's phlegm heat in the channels causing these nodules, sores, or abscesses. So that is Chuan Bei Mu. Like we said, it's uh, sweet in flavor because it has this moistening action. So that's why we remember about Chuan Bei Mu is that it transforms phlegm heat, thick, yellow, sticky, difficult to expectorate sputum, but also has a good moistening action. And so this is the one that um, when we're dealing with cough or especially if we're dealing with lung yin deficiency, one sort of folk remedy we have is steamed pear or steamed Asian pear. That uh, steamed pear can also have this action of uh, clearing clearing lung heat and stopping cough. And so this is a folk remedy that we can steam this pear and then grind up our Chuan Bei Mu. Uh, this motion is supposed to be a mortar and pestle. Uh, grind up your Chuan Bei Mu and then sprinkle it on top of the pear and then you steam it like in a bamboo steamer. And that can be like a folk remedy or a food therapy. The problem with this, however, is... I don't know if this is just a recent thing or I don't know if this is still the case. It turns out Chuan Bei Mu is like stupid expensive. It's really expensive. So normally when you go online and you uh, order herbs from your supplier, usually uh, they sell herbs either by the pound or by the 500 grams, depending on whether they like to use American or metric. Well, it turns out Chuan Bei Mu, it's so expensive, they don't even bother selling it by the pound. Usually they sell it by the fourth pound or by the hundred grams. And I've seen some places where it's like $90 for a fourth of a pound. And this is not just like a recent supply chain thing. This is like years ago. It was still just really, really expensive. So um, that's the thing is I'm not sure if I 
if I use Chuan Bay Mu a whole lot anymore just because it's really expensive, I might just say, eh, just go ahead and steam this pear and drizzle some honey on it instead. That honey will also moisten things. But anyway, Chuan Bay Mu, I would remember phlegm heat and specifically sweet in flavor to moisten the lung for dryness or to make the phlegm thinner and easier to expectorate. Our other type of Bay Mu is Jibemu, Fritillaria thunbergii bulbus. Jibemu. So this is the version of Beimu that is grown in Zhejiang province. So very similar properties, but maybe a few distinctions. One, we say it transforms slum heat for cough due to lung heat. So notice this one is a little bit cold in temperature and it's not sweet in flavor, so it doesn't have that moistening. We With Chuan Beimu, we said it has that sweet moistening ability. Jua Beimu, no, this one is more cold and bitter and better for clearing heat. Then we also say it dissipates nodules, especially for nodules on the neck, like goiter and scrofula. And I would say this one, it has a stronger action of dissipating nodules. So Chuan Beimu, yeah, it's okay. Jubemu is the one we would go to. If you have if you're treating nodules and you have a choice between the two, definitely go to Jubemu for nodules. So again, if we wanted to compare these two uh, with Chuan Beimu, we said it transforms phlegm heat, but it's good for moistening. It's sweet and moistening. Whereas Jubemu is not sweet and moistening. It's better it's more bitter, it's more cold, it's better for heat. With Chuan Beimu, we said it's slightly cold. Jubemu is straight up cold. So it's colder in temperature, better for heat. And then when we talk about uh, dissipating nodules, we would definitely say that Jubemu is better. So I was, back in the day, I was trying to think of a way to remember the difference between Chuan Beimu and Jubemu. And the best I could come up is Jubemu is good for nodules. So if you have a lot of juh in your nodules, jubemu is for nodules. And I thought that sounded kind of silly, but it was the best I could come up with. And it turns out I still remember it that way. Jubemu is good for nodules. So again, the difference between these two, think of chuanbeimu, uh, sweeter, better for dryness. Jubemu, colder, better for for heat, Chuan Beimu, sweet, good for moistening, Jubemu, better, bitter, better for heat, Jubemu, better for nodules. So those are our Beimus. Hopefully I didn't say Beimu so many times that it lost all meaning and you can't remember them. So just kind of put them side to side to, to look at those. That's Chuan Beimu and Jubemu. And maybe what I can say here, again, the, the Chuan and the Ju refers to the region where it's grown. Bei Mu, I think, means shell mother. So maybe you can think that your Chuan Bei Mu kind of looks like a shell. Jiu Bei Mu doesn't really look like a shell. So I don't, I don't know if that name helps. Uh, but again, the, the Jiu and the Chuan just refer to the province in which they're grown. So that's Jiu Bei Mu and Chuan Bei Mu. Next is Gua Lo Trichosanthus fructus. Gua Lo Trichosanthus fructus. So remember, gua means melon. So gualo is like a fruit. And it turns out this herb comes in different parts. Or we this, this herb is really three different herbs in one. And so Bensky will actually list them out separately. 
Other books just list guolo and then the variations, but basically we can use guolo as the entire fruit. We can use guolo pea, the skin or the peel of the fruit, or we can use guolo ren or guolo zi, the seed. So we have the whole fruit, or we can use just the skin, or we can use just the seeds, or the whole thing together. So that's guolo. And again, if we go to Bensky, he lists them all out separately. Other books just talk about them, just talk about guolo, and then kind of list the distinctions. And so that's the way we're going to do it here. Keep it a little simpler. We'll just talk about guolo. Basically, there are three functions, and each each part of guolo has its specialty. It's going to say that guolo clears lung heat and transforms phlegm. So again, we're talking about cough with thick, yellow, sticky difficult to expectorate uh, sputum. And again, guolo is a fruit and fruits tend to be sweet in flavor. So we're using that sweet flavor, like our steamed pear, we're using that sweet flavor to moisten the lung, lubricate the lung, make the phlegm thinner and easier to expectorate. So this is definitely something we should remember about guolo is that it's sweet in flavor. And so it's good for dryness or good for making the phlegm thinner and easier to expectorate. And if we want to um, transform this phlegm, we might say that guolo pea, the skin of guolo, is our best choice. So guolo pea has its specialty of clearing heat and transforming phlegm. Guolo also has an action of opening the chest to treat chest bee. There's this thing we call chest bee or chest impediment, uh, which is kind of you know, stifling sensation in the chest, chest pain, chest pressure. Sometimes we say this is like angina pain. The thing we should be careful here is even though we call this chest bee, shong bee, this is not the same as bee syndrome as in wind cold dampness. So when you say chest bee, we're not talking about wind cold dampness. Chest bee is just this chest pain, chest pressure, angina-like pain. There are a couple different causes. One of those causes is phlegm. So we say that guolo is good for chest bee. It opens up, expands the chest to treat chest bee. And if we want to treat chest bee, we're, we're best using the entire guolo fruit. When we, when we want to uh, specify that we're using the entire fruit, we can say chuan guolo or guolo sure to say the entire fruit to open up the chest and treat chest bee. And then there's also a moistening action of guolo. And so uh, not only moistens the lung, we can also say it moistens the large intestine to relieve constipation. And of course, the seed is going to be best for this. We talked about this in our downward draining in our uh, moist laxative category that we have a lot of seeds like ren or zi, a lot of seeds that because they're seeds, because they're kernels, they're oily. And so they lubricate the large intestine. So we might not ever use guolo by itself, but it's very possible that if we're dealing with a phlegm heat condition, it's not only drying out the fluids in the lung, it's probably also drying out the fluids in the large intestine, giving us constipation. So we use guolo ren, and we're taking care of both at the same time. So this is like a, we're taking care of the yin-yang pair or the internal-external pair. We're moistening the lung and moistening the large intestine. So that is guolo trichosanthus fructus. And so again, gua means melon. Lo, I think is just the name of the plant. So maybe that can help you remember gua means melon. So this is a fruit and it's sweet. And maybe we can also point out that this is trichosanthus fructus. 
Earlier we learned an herb, Trichosanthus radix. Trichosanthus radix was Tianhua Fen from the drain the fire category, herbs that clear heat and drain fire, herbs that drain fire. We learned Tianhua Fen, Trichosanthus radix. And remember, Tianhua Fen was very good for clearing lung heat and generating body fluids, moistening the lung, and that was the root. Here, guolo is the fruit of that plant, and it's also good for clearing heat in the lung, but specifically for transforming phlegm. So those are the things we should know about guolo, that it uh, clears heat, transforms phlegm for cough with thick yellow sputum, but it's sweet in flavor, and we, we might want to use guolo pea when we're specifically want to transform phlegm. It opens up the chest for chest pee, chest depression. We want to use the entire fruit. And to moisten the large intestine, we want to use the seed. The zhen or the zi are especially good for moistening. And it turns out each, each uh, part of guolo has a slightly different, different dosage range. I don't know. I wouldn't worry about that too much, but that's just a thing that sometimes it's a slightly different dosage range depending on which part you use. So that is guolo trichosanthus fructus. Next is Juru Bambusi Collis Intinium. Juru Bambusi Collis Intinium. Juru is bamboo shavings. Turns out the, the character Ju means bamboo. So this is bamboo shavings. So for Juru, of course, we're in the category herbs that transform phlegm heat. So Juru is good for transforming phlegm heat. So on the one hand, we can say, yes, this is good for our normal phlegm heat. So cough uh, with thick yellow, difficult to expect rate sputum due to this heat in the lung cooking down the fluid. So we can say that Juru does treat this heat in the lung, uh, thick yellow sputum. But what's interesting about Juru and maybe what makes it stand out is it's also good for gallbladder phlegm. Or we can say phlegm due to gallbladder and stomach heat or phlegm due to gallbladder and stomach disharmony. And that's a little bit interesting. That really stands out because you're like, what is gallbladder phlegm? Or what, is, what does phlegm do to gallbladder and stomach disharmony? How does that happen? So it's a little bit weird, but really I think the simple way to describe it is I, I put it down here. This is what my Chinese, this is how my Chinese teacher explained it to me. And when we talk about gallbladder phlegm, we're talking about two things. One was gallbladder phlegm. The phlegm tends to be copious rather than scanty. Remember when we talked about phlegm heat, we usually said that heat cooks down the fluids and makes it uh, scanty or difficult to expectorate. Well, with gallbladder phlegm, it's, gonna, it's still going to be thick and yellow, but it's going to be more copious rather than scanty. There's a lot of it um, instead of being uh, cooked down. But number two, the important thing is that gallbladder phlegm also comes with some type of shen disturbance as well, usually like irritability or insomnia. So if we have like um, some phlegm that's causing difficulty sleeping, we might say, oh, that's, a, that's gallbladder phlegm or that's gallbladder heat or a gallbladder stomach disharmony leading to phlegm. And that's why you can't sleep. So that's what we mean when we say gallbladder phlegm or phlegm due to gallbladder and stomach heat. 
And then uh, this is another thing that I think this is not in the book, but something that my Chinese teacher said that Juru is especially useful for acute sinusitis or Buon, that's deep source nasal congestion or acute sinusitis. So that's um, that's just an application that I thought was kind of neat. So I put it in there, even though it's not in a textbook. So if you're strictly following the textbooks, you can forget about that one. But I thought that was kind of a neat little note from one of my teachers that we can use it in that way. So Juru transforms phlegm heat, especially when we're talking about gallbladder and stomach heat leading to phlegm because it enters the gallbladder and stomach channels. The other thing we need to know about Juru is that it's good for stomach heat. It's good for rebellious stomach chi due to heat. So it clears stomach heat and stops vomiting for nausea, vomiting, and morning sickness due to heat. So this is maybe important to remember because we've talked about other herbs that are good for nausea and vomiting, but those were for nausea and vomiting due to cold. Like when, when we talked about ginger, shengjiang, that was very good for nausea, vomiting, morning sickness, but that was due to cold in the middle jowl. Well, here we have an herb that's good for nausea, vomiting, morning sickness due to heat. And so that's kind of what makes Juru stand out in treating rebellious stomach chi. Very good for rebellious stomach chi, like vomiting, even like belching and hiccups but due to heat. So that is juru bamboo shavings. Like we said, it um, enters the stomach and gallbladder channels because we're going to use this to clear gallbladder heat as well or when we have phlegm problems due to some gallbladder issues. But again, it, still, it does still clear that lung heat and is good for coughing up phlegm for phlegm in the lung but maybe something that makes it stand out is the gallbladder stuff and then the rebellious stomach cheese. So that's Juru bamboo shavings. And the last one, uh, Haizao and Kumbu, we usually talk about these as a pair. Haizao and Kumbu. I'm not very good with my uh, tones, but Haizao, when we have two third tones in the row, the first one changes to a second tone. So we say Haizao and Kun boo. So sargassum and eclonii phallus. Haitza and kun boo. So haitza and kun boo, these are both seaweeds. They have very similar functions, so we tend to talk about them together. Sometimes they're used together as paired herbs, as a dwei yao pair. So it makes sense to just talk about them together rather than individual herbs. So haitzao, we're in the category of herbs that transform phlegm. So haitzao transforms phlegm. But what we should be careful about Haitza and Kumbu is they're not for substantial phlegm. Haitza and Kumbu are not used for cough with thick yellow sputum. Haitza and Kumbu are used for insubstantial phlegm only. So um, not real phlegm that you cough up. This is more for like phlegm in the channels, especially phlegm causing nodules such as goiter and scrofula. So Haitza, we can say it dissipates nodules, or we can say it softens hardness for these hard nodules and uh, gets rid of it that way. So Haizao Kumbu, not for cough with yellow sputum. Haizao and Kumbu are for dissipating nodules. We can also say Haizao and Kumbu are for Shan disorders. Shan is mounting pain or bulging disorder. Shan disorder, especially if you have, uh, especially for Shan disorders involving the scrotum and testicles. So swollen, painful testicles go to Haizao and Kumbu. We can also say that Haizao and Kumbu promote urination to treat edema, especially for like 
say leg chi, swelling of the legs, beriberi. Um, but yeah, they promote urination to treat edema. So that's Heizau and Kumbu. What we, what we should pay attention to is that both of these are salty in flavor. So maybe you can remember Heizau and Kumbu are seaweeds. They come from the ocean. The ocean is salty. And the salty flavor helps soften hardness and dissipate things. So that's why we're saying phlegm nodules such as goiter or, and scrofula, we're using the salty flavor to soften hardness and uh, dissipate accumulation. So that's Heizau and Kumbu. Uh, these are seaweeds. Uh, kumbu, I think, is what we use to make um, miso soup. When you're making a dashi and you use kombo, uh, in, I think in Japanese it's like kombo, in Chinese it's kumbu. And so that's what we're using. We can also note that if you remember back in the very beginning when we talked about our combination of herbs, one of the things we talked about is the 18 incompatible herbs. And when you said 18 incompatible herbs, we really meant there are three categories of incompatible herbs. We have herbs that are incompatible with gansao, herbs that are incompatible with futsa, and herbs that are incompatible with lilu, which is something we never use. Well, it turns out that heitzau is incompatible with gansao, licorice root. So when we talk about our 18 incompatible herbs, we, we need to know the the, 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 different, the different types of incompatibilities. When we talked about incompatible with gansao, we were talking about our, a lot of our harsh expellents, things like uh, da, da ji and things like that. Well, it turns out heitzau is one of those incompatible herbs with gansao. However, I think there's a note in Bensky where we say that, yeah, traditionally this was regarded as an incompatibility. It turns out nobody's ever, there's never been a reported case of something bad happening when you could, when you combine Heitzau and, uh, and Gansau. And it turns out we actually do have one traditional formula where Heitzau and Gansau appear together in the same formula. So there, I think if you look in Bensky, if you look in the commentary, he does make a note where a couple decades ago when, when the Chinese government updated their official Materia Medica, they removed this incompatibility. They said, oh, Heizau and Gansau, okay to do. However, this is a question that will still come up on test. So you need to know about your 18 incompatible herbs, especially um, I feel like when I, whenever I've taken boards or year-end exams, that's always a question they like to ask or is at least one question about the 18 incompatible herbs, either which herbs are incompatible with gansao or which herbs are incompatible with futsa or wu tou. So that's Heizau and Kumbu. What we want to remember here is these are not for real phlegm. These are not, these are not for phlegm in the lung. These are specifically for uh, phlegm nodules like goiter and scrofula. So they have a salty flavor that softens hardness. And it turns out we have a bonus one. Sometimes there are extra things that I like to talk about that they're not on the syllabus, they're not on the NCCM list, but a lot of times we still carry them in clinic. So in your school clinic, you might have this one, and it's going to be very useful to you clinically, even if you don't. And so this one is Pangdahai, Sterculii Lycnophorii. Pangdahai, I believe this is also called Malva Nut. You can actually uh, order this on Amazon. You can just 
you can maybe search Pangdahai, but searching for Malva nut might be easier. And so Pangdahai is, again, in this category, herbs that transform phlegm heat, so it's good for clearing heat and uh, stopping cough. But maybe uh, Pangdahai's specialty is that it's good for sore throat, hoarseness, and cough due to phlegm heat. So you have a sore throat, especially if there's some hoarseness or voice loss, uh, and it's due to a phlegm heat condition, then you can use Pangdahai. And what's convenient about it is we typically use it as a single herb, and it's something that you can just prepare as a tea. So I actually have a, a video on this. If you go on YouTube and search for Pangdahai, I have a little time-lapse video of when you pour this boiling water onto Pangdahai, it opens and starts to expand, and it looks like a weird alien or a sea creature, but it's kind of cool. When you pour boiling water on it, it's like one of those sponges that turns into a dinosaur. This is like a little seed that turns into a sea creature. And so what you can do is you can just pour boiling water on it and drink it as a tea, and you can actually uh, just put several in a cup and then pour boiling water, drink half of it, and then just keep refilling your cup. So drink half, pour more boiling water on it, drink it until it gets half full, then pour more boiling water on it, and you can just uh, uh, keep drinking it throughout the day. So it's pong, da, hai. Pong means fat, da means big or great, and hai means ocean or sea. So this is fat, big, sea. And so again, this is something that's not on our not on our syllabus, not on our NCCM list, but it's very common to see it in herbal pharmacies. It's very common to see it in your school clinics, herbal pharmacy, and something very useful to have on hand. And it's something very useful to give to your patients. So if you have someone gets uh, gets sick, they have a sore throat, and they're starting to lose their voice, give them some pang da hai to help with their sore throat and hoarseness. So those are our herbs that cool and transform phlegm heat. Again, this is a short little section, but maybe we can go into some of our formulas and just uh, sometimes it's, it's, we can do a little review and see how these herbs pop up in formulas. So one of our major formulas for clearing uh, phlegm heat is Qing qi hua tan tang. Clear the qi and transform phlegm decoction. Qing qi hua tan tang. You know this is good for phlegm because it's in the name. Again, tan means phlegm, so hua tan means transform phlegm. This one's good for phlegm, specifically good for phlegm heat. And this one we'll come back to because there are actually a lot of interesting things going on here. So maybe at the end of this section, when we've gone through all of herbs that transform phlegm and stop cough, we can say some more things about here because we got Danan Xing in here, we got Ban Chao, we got Xing Ren here. There's some interesting things going on here. So we'll come back to this uh, at the end. But again, this is for phlegm heat, so cough of thick, yellow, difficult to expectorate sputum, vocal distension and fullness in the chest because you got this phlegm in your lungs, so you feel fullness in the chest, nausea. The tongue is red with a greasy yellow coat, so it's red because of the heat. A yellow coat, a thick yellow coat, tells us that it's phlegm heat. Our pulse is rapid and slippery, rapid because of the heat, slippery because of the phlegm. So this is telling us we're dealing with phlegm heat, and we can use Qing Qi Hua Tong Tong. And here we're using Gua Lo. One of our forms of Gua Lo is Gua Lo Ren, specifically for phlegm heat. So this is an example of a phlegm heat formula where our Gua Lo shows up. But again, let's let's come to back come back to that later because there's some interesting things going on here. Another formula we we can see pop up is 
Beimu Gualotong, Fritillaria and Trichosanthus fruit. Beimu Gualotong. So here, this is for dryness in the lung causing phlegm. So we have cough with deep-seated, difficult to expectorate sputum, wheezing, because again, there's this dry pathogen obstructing the flow of qi, so we have wheezing or panting, and a dry sore th throat. The, here, the tongue is red and dry, so we're dealing with dryness, so the tongue is dry. And here it's interesting, we, we have two of our herbs, Chuanbei Mu and Gualo. So remember, these are the ones that we said, they're not only bitter in flavor, they're also sweet in flavor because they have a moistening action. So Chuanbei Mu, between Jiubei Mu and Chuanbei Mu, Chuanbei Mu is the one that's sweet and moistens the lung, especially good for dryness and yin deficiency. Gualo is a fruit, so it's sweet in flavor, good for generating fluids to make the phlegm thinner and easier to expectorate. And Gualo is Trichosanthus fructus. Here we're also using Tianhua Fen, Trichosanthus radix, to again clear lung heat and moisten the lung. So when we're dealing with dryness causing phlegm, definitely good that we want to use Chuanbei Mu and Gualo because those are the ones that are sweet and moistening. And then we have another Gualo formula. This one is my favorite to say in Chinese, Gualo Shebai Bai Jiutong. Uh, I think my favorite single herb to say in Chinese is Bai Hua Shi Shi Zao uh, from our heat toxicity category. My favorite formula is Gualo Shei Bai Bai Tong. And so Gualo Shei Bai Bai Tong, Trichosanthus fruit, Chinese chive, and wine decoction. This is a formula from Zhong Zhong Jing. We can tell it's a Zhong Zhong Jing formula because the name of the formula is the name of the ingredients. So Gualo Shei Bai Bai Tong comes with three ingredients, Gualo Shei Bai and Bai Jiu. And so this is a formula specifically for chest B or chest obstructions. We have pain in the chest that often radiates to the upper back, wheezing, cough with copious sputum, and shortness of breath. So this pain in the chest, this angina-like pain, we can call chest B or chest impediment. And so it turns out we have a couple different causes. And when we talk about chest B or chest impediment, there are a couple different causes. Uh, we can have chest B due to blood stagnation. And so we'll use herbs that invigorate blood like Dan Shen. Or we can have chest impediment due to phlegm. And that's what we're dealing with here. Chest B due to phlegm. That's why we have cough with copious sputum, telling us that there's some phlegm in the chest. Again, the tongue has a thick, greasy coat, telling us that there's phlegm. And then we have a, a, a deep and wiry or tight pulse uh, telling us there's excess. So I just want to point this out because this is an example of using Gualo to open the chest, expand the chest, and treat chest B. Somebody said Gualo is good for chest B or chest impediment due to phlegm. The reason we say that is because it comes up in this formula, Gualo Shei Bai Jotong, which is good for treating chest impediment due to phlegm. And then I always have to point out here that Gualo Shei Bai Bai Jiutong, Bai Jiu tends to get translated as white wine. But again, we have to be careful that when Jiu gets translated as wine, but it's really just a generic word for alcohol. And so we can say Huang Jiu, which is more like fermented alcohol, or Bai Jiu, which is more like distilled alcohol. So when we say in Chinese medicine, when you look at these formulas and you see the term white wine, 
we're not talking about Pinot Grigio. We're not talking about Sauvignon Blanc. We're not talking about a white grape wine. Uh, when we say Baijiu in Chinese, that's referring to a distilled alcohol that's usually like 40 or 50 percent or even or even higher. So uh, if you ever want to make this formula, Gualo Shea by Baijiu Tong, don't use Pinot Grigio, use vodka. So that's what we um, that's what we mean by Baijiu white wine. And then maybe this is the last one we can talk about, Wendantong. Maybe the second last one we can talk about, Wendantong, warm gallbladder decoction. And this one I just wanted to bring up because this is an example of where juru is the chief herb. So he said juru, it's very good for transforming phlegm heat. And again, this, this can mean uh, heat in the lung, coughing up thick sputum. But we can also talk about this gallbladder and stomach disharmony causing phlegm heat. So that's what we're talking about with juru. And this is the formula where it's the chief herb. So we talk about here gallbladder and stomach disharmony with phlegm heat. Dizziness, vertigo, because you have a phlegm in your head that can cause dizziness and vertigo. Nausea and vomiting, phlegm obstructing the phlegm in the stomach or phlegm in the middle jowl causing rebellious chi, nausea, vomiting. But then see here, we have certain shen problems. Dream disturbed sleep with strange or unusual dreams, palpitations, anxiety. Uh, those are examples of shen problems. So again, we said uh, this gallbladder phlegm, we have a uh, copious sputum, but we also have certain shen problems like anxiety or uh, insomnia or here dream disturbed sleep. That's how we can tell that this is a gallbladder phlegm issue. I mean, again, there is a connection between the gallbladder and the heart, either through the channels or through the uh, midday midnight pair. But here we, we still have a, a copious sputum, focal distension in the chest. We have a yellow greasy coat to tell us we're dealing with phlegm heat and a rapid slippery pulse, rapid because of the heat, slippery because of the phlegm. So this is just, I, I just remember when I first heard about this gallbladder, uh, gallbladder phlegm, it was really weird. And so maybe this is an example uh, that can make it a little bit more clear what we mean by uh, juru treating gallbladder and stomach phlegm and what that means. Here's an example of it in a formula, and here's the types of symptoms we're going to see with that condition. And this is when we use juru in decoction. And then actually our last one, jupi juru tong. I just want to highlight this one because this is an example of using juru, not necessarily for transforming phlegm, but for subduing rebellious stomach chi. So this is for hiccup or Hiccup, nausea, dry heaves, retching. These are types of rebellious stomach chi due to heat. So we have a red tongue and a rapid pulse. So we know that this is rebellious stomach chi due to heat. And that's when we use juru for its second function of uh, treating rebellious chi. So, so both of these are very important formulas that we'll learn when we get to formula class Wendan Tong and Jupi Juru Tong. And these are two formulas that really highlight Juru's two functions of treating phlegm heat and also subduing rebellious chi. So those were just some formulas to kind of highlight the actions of some of these herbs. But again, to review, uh, we only had a few herbs in this category. Uh, we started with Qianhu, Qianhu Pusadani Radix. It it's good for phlegm heat, cough with a uh, thick, yellow, sticky, difficult to expectorate sputum. It's also good for downbearing the chi to treat coughing and wheezing, and it releases the exterior. So Qianhu, phlegm heat, coughing and wheezing, releases the exterior for wind heat. 
Then we had our two Beimus, Chuan Beimu and Jia Beimu. Both of these are good for that cough with thick yellow sticky sputum. The difference between these two is uh, Chuan Beimu is the one that's sweet in flavor, so it's better for dryness. Jia Beimu is the one that's more cold and bitter, so it's better for heat. Uh, and then Jia Beimu is also good for nodules. So Chuan Beimu, sweet moistening, makes the phlegm thinner and easier to expect, or good for dryness. Jubemu, good for phlegm heat, with more heat, or for nodules. Gualo, Trichosanthus fructus, this is a, a fruit with three parts. We can either use the Gualo pea, the peel, Gualo zhen, the seed, or Chuan Gualo, the entire fruit. And the things we said about this is it's good for phlegm heat, cough with thick yellow sputum. It's good for opening the chest, treating that chest bee, as in the formula Gualo Shei Bai Bai Jotong. Or it's also good for moistening the large intestine to relieve constipation. So that's gualo. And maybe you can remember trichosanthus fructus is similar to trichosanthus radix, tianhua fen, which clears lung heat, but is especially good for moistening. Juru is bamboo shavings. Juru is good for gallbladder stomach heat. Maybe you can remember that juru is bamboo. Bamboo is green. Green is the color of the liver and gallbladder. So maybe that's a way you can remember that juru is specifically good for these gallbladder things. So juru, gallbladder stomach heat, so that copious phlegm with some shen disturbance, but also good for subduing rebellious stomach chi, like nausea, vomiting, hiccup, retching, as in the formula jupi jurutong. And then finally, Haizhou Kumbu, those are two seaweeds. Haizhou and Kumbu are not for coughing up sputum. Haizhou and Kumbu are good for nodules like goiter and scrofula. So they're good for insubstantial phlegm. So those are our herbs that uh, cool and transform phlegm heat. So this is our first category in herbs that uh, transform phlegm and stop cough. Later, we'll do the next two sections. We'll do... Uh, herbs that warm and that warm phlegm cold and we'll do herbs that stop coughing and wheezing so those will be up next but those were our herbs that transform phlegm heat as always special thank you to the patreon members for supporting the channel supporting the website uh, we make these videos and they're just up on YouTube. They're ad-free and they're free to everybody. There's notes and flashcards that are free to everybody. And so this is only possible thanks to the support of people like you, either joining the Patreon and donating, donating through Buy Me a Coffee, or the people buying courses like the Single Herb Review course or the Formula Review course. Because, because of you, you are what makes this possible. So thank you. Again, if you want to download slides or flashcards, those are available at the website, tcmstudy.net. There's no practice test specifically for this category just because it's so small. I think we'll just do one practice test at the end of herbs that transform phlegm and stop cough. I think that's all for today. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.